The Startup to Scale-Up Game Plan is brought to you by Alpina Search, Europe's premier talent search firm, dedicated to helping technology startups and scale-ups recruit high-impact executives. Now over to your host, Gary Riemann. I am delighted to welcome Hubert Rahalski, CEO at NetHone, to this week's show. NetHone provides machine learning-based fraud prevention solutions to online retailers and financial institutions. And in 2021, NetHone was named Poland's fastest growing company in the Deloitte Technology Fast 50. So, uh, Huber, it's great to meet a superhero tackling online crime. So thank you so much for joining me on, uh, on this week's show. Thank you, Gary. It's my pleasure to be here. And uh, as we are kicking off to hear so many nice words, I hope that I'll live up to the expectations that all the listeners are having about, about Nathan and what we are up to. So pleasure to be here and excited about our conversation. Live up to your superhero billing. So Hubert, just kicking things off, why did you become a startup CEO and a SaaS entrepreneur? That's a really good question. And it's been a while. Uh, we have started our journey in 2016. So looking at how quickly the world is turning these days, uh, it, it seems like a, a really distant history. But thinking or searching for the, for, for the true reason, there were probably a few factors that led me to, to this path. And, uh, and just to really underline it very strongly, I haven't regretted a single day of it, all, despite all the challenges and tough problems that we had to battle along the way. Before Netone, I used to be engaged or professionally active in a completely different space. I used to be a management consultant with one of the big global firms. And uh, please do not get me wrong. The experience was really tremendous. And the learning that uh, such a profile and, and type of professional activity was providing was really impressive, working with large enterprises across geographies, learning from top business experts how to structure problems, how to approach uh, problem solving, and, and, and effectively how to deliver strategic recommendations that was really valuable. But what I was missing in this world, in this role, was predominantly being brave about introducing new concepts and new technologies to tackle some of the problems that the, these large enterprises were facing. It was much more about searching for the best incremental uh, solution to some of these problems, not necessarily risking and going after more disruptive approaches. And, and that was something I was missing. I, I had a strong feeling that in certain cases, you would be able to achieve relatively better results if you, if you allow yourself for risk, a bit more risk. And, and, and the use of technology and the potential associated with how many technological advancements are influencing certain industries, that was something really inspiring and exciting. And I, and I really wanted to be part of this change, this digital transformation, not only on paper, but, but actually try to, try to build and, 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 and provide a completely different 
way of, of solving a particular problem. And, and so that is part of the, let's say, equation. The other part was related to my to my interest, my background, and, and how I always wanted to, to be closer to decision-making in larger structures, in established roles uh, and organizations with big structures. It is not so easy for a young professional to, to be necessarily responsible for important decisions. Being very unmodest, in maybe my, my way of thinking, I really thought that it could make sense to, to be exposed to some of these problems and, and, and be responsible for the decisions that are made. So I was searching for a path in which, despite being young and unexperienced or relatively unexperienced, certain decisions were to be made with, with my involvement. So I would say these two, these two components led me to, to search for, for, for a path and opportunity to, to build something on my own. Obviously, this is just a phrase. Very quickly, it was not on my own or by, my, by, my, by myself. Now, the criminals are getting more and more sophisticated with their online activities. So how can a company like NetHome continue to develop the technology, the algorithms that truly keep pace with the bad guys? That's a very, very true observation. The beauty and power of technology is, 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 is that it really influences all sides of the equation. It's not that only on the prevention or detection side you can you can benefit from certain technolo- technological advancements. Unfortunately, it is also uh, that, that the opponents are, are, are armed in, in more and more sophisticated tooling and, and solutions uh, to, to try to game the system. It is essentially a uh, an arms race. It is essentially a cat and mouse kind of game or dynamics that we are observing, which is making, or at least for some voicing, or it's it's generating an, an important question, is it really worth pushing so aggressively in terms of arming on the prevention or protection side if the result is actually acceleration of the new techniques that are coming and we are just constantly increasing the velocity of change there? But uh, our solution to this is, is, is actually catching up and investing in terms of making it um, more popular in terms of understanding or, or being at least aware of certain risks. The big challenge that we are facing is that a big part of the market is not necessarily aware or fully appreciating the existence of certain risks and how quickly they are evolving. So big role of... or. or very important role of, of what we do is besides building the right technology is actually having an open dialogue with the decision makers on the on the merchant or financial institutions front to be aware of the risks and, and actually to project certain trajectory of these changes. Because even if many of them have not yet firsthand to experience some of these risks, it doesn't mean that they are not approaching, they are not coming. And Unfortunately, the human nature is that if you don't under, if you don't perceive particular phenomena, you might discredit its its validity, its its relevance. So, being convincing enough with with your stories, building a narrative around solutions, and not necessarily trying to scare someone away or scare some like create some negative feelings about about what is happening, and at the same time. Uh, educate and provide some actionable information about what is happening 
it makes this 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 uh, this adventure quite difficult because it is easy to fall into negativity it is easy to to get too technical and not uh, understandable for, for for the counterpart of the discussion at the same time the more you disclose the more you openly share the more of an insight you provide to the to the opponents of this game and uh these are all challenges we need to deal with on, on a daily basis. Having our mission or our actually main uh, main purposes through technology, we want to boost the understanding of, of online merchants and, and, and financial institutions operating online. When it comes to who is who is the user that they are interacting with, uh, because uh, fortunately, ninety nine percent or so will be will be the legitimate users that they really want to attract and, and interact with and offer them wonderful products or services. But unfortunately, this 1% or so will have unwanted intentions, malicious intentions that we we need to be ready for, we need to be prepared for, we need to be aware of. Is the figure that high? Is it 1% who have malicious intentions? It is probably... I wouldn't use it as an exact uh, scientific example for every use case in every industry. This is some sort of approximation that could be used, but if I were if I were to be very factual, it really depends on the individual character of a business. Every website or or plat- online platform has a different composition of of source of the traffic, the embedded or inherent risk associated with the products or services that they are offering. Is also influencing obviously how how many and what kind of fraudsters are interested in what they are doing. So it will be always a very individual answer. From our experience, if I were to uh, provide some averages, it is anywhere from zero point one percent to to above one percent in terms of some sort of malicious unwanted activity. I guess one percent is is a very symbolic figure. Now most European. SaaS startups, B2B SaaS startups, when they launch, target relatively local SMBs, small and medium-sized businesses that aren't too far away from their HQ. Whereas NetHone started selling to global enterprise customers pretty much from day one. Why did you choose that strategy and what were some of the main challenges you had to overcome to be successful? Oh, thank you for this question. This is actually very relevant to describing our positioning. When we were setting off as a project, as a company in 2016, but once we were really ready, meaning with an MVP of something that we believed was, was marketable, it was 2017. And when we were brainstorming internally and trying to figure out what would be the best vector of a pack, from a positive perspective, from the go-to-market perspective, we realized that probably what we've built or what we are on the path of building would be most suited for, for online merchants with the highest degree of sophistication. However we measure this, this is obviously a separate discussion. How can you establish this nominal measure of risk and, and then try to understand what kind of uh, patterns and techniques processors are using? But However, we, 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 we dealt with this exercise. We realized that between where we physically are as a team, as an incorporated legal entity, and where this niche market, where we believe that very interesting from a scientific perspective, fraud risks were, 
or a few thousand miles or a few thousand kilometers. So it didn't sound very uh, exciting or pragmatically aligned from from operational standpoint because obviously we didn't have any people on board that that would be able to serve us or, or join our mission. We didn't know the language. We didn't necessarily understand and the cultural implications are on, on doing business across ocean. Nevertheless, we believe that if we believe what cybersecurity as a space is all about, and, and we still believe that it's all about trust and actually reputation, certain expertise uh, that, that has been validated by, by, by market players, we realize that if we believe in our positioning and we want to be the go-to solution for the most sophisticated fraud tactics, online, uh, online fraud tra- tactics, we need to get reputation from where it is really relevant. We concentrated all of our resources, very limited. I mean, always limited, but not from, from perspective of 2017, very limited to really make some contacts and try to win our first case in, in this market. And, and, and just the quick investigation or the investigation we proposed would led us to believe that a certain South American countries within travel sector were, were facing significant risks. Uh, these were online travel agencies operating in Brazil, Argentina, and, and, uh, and adjacent markets. So our target was really to try to find a use case and convince someone to be brave enough to trust a really um, MVP-driven startup from Poland to try to help them. And, and, and after a few months, we managed to win our first case. It was obviously heavily discounted, but there was very interestingly, there was some sort of remuneration. So it was not a pro bono uh, exercise. So we were able to, to actually convince someone to pay for what we're doing, obviously way below what the market would expect. Nevertheless, we worked on this case. We were able to actually show some, some new approach to, to the problem. We were able to deliver significantly better performance. It was an order of magnitude of 30 or 35% better performance across KPIs that were important for this player. So not just like incrementally better results, but but significantly better results with this MVP. And that uh, that obviously gave us our first testimonial. It gave us uh, some sort of market validation. And obviously that was our gold coin that we then started to use in every possible uh, possible occasion. So effectively for us, it was about passporting this reputation we received first. And then we believed and the entire go-to-market model was all about trying to replicate this, use this gold coin of trust that we received, the the numbers. We started to go to conferences um, for professionals from the space and try to proliferate the message that that maybe what we are up to is is not just a weapon for one particular case, but but it it could be relevant for, for more and more players. And since it was so far away geographically, culture-wise from us, we immediately were forced to, to think globally because then we were thinking, okay, we have this one case, we have this one niche that really needs it. What are the other ones? Not necessarily associated with travel, but not, not necessarily related to Latin America that could be relevant. And, and, and then obviously there were several answers. And as we were developing our, our, our global um, operations it it was unfortunately uh, quite uh, quite dispersed it is still dispersed but we believe that's the right way to go because it's quite aligned or very strongly aligned with where we see the value stemming from our product our product was was built for these customers and 
the beauty on one hand, the very difficult to, to the big problem associated with conveying our message, for instance, to investors is associated with the fact that they expect very straightforward answers. Okay, I'm after US because of X, Y, Z, and then obviously they want to see this growth in US. But for us, if we are really true to, to our positioning or where we really believe our positioning is, is true, the answer will be a little bit more scattered. It will not be necessarily very geo or, or, or use case uh, related. It will be quite dispersed and it will be evolving because also the significance and the and the level of sophistication that is targeting that is that is targeting a particular niches and in industries is changing very quickly. So we need to constantly maintain the the map of the world with this aspect of where do the thrusters are are are, are trying hardest to be able to be uh, maintaining our 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 go to market strategy. So it's not so easy to explain. It's not so easy to communicate. But at the end of the day, that's where we see the best results. So we are still pursuing this path. And I know you've also hired some pretty senior international talent in countries like Brazil, which obviously dovetails with the learnings you've had on the market opportunity, uh, the initial market success you had. So what's your advice for other SaaS scale-ups looking to recruit executives, senior executives in diverse international locations? And how has the pandemic impacted the way you both recruit and kind of communicate with your your dispersed team? That's a set of very interesting challenges. I would say that it might not be very intuitive, but it is, at least for us, it has been easier to invite and then effectively cooperate with very senior professionals from distant geographies not necessarily in terms of the map distances, but but also cultural differences, because it's um, their seniority within the roles and their experience from certain markets and how, how we are supposed to conduct our activities in, in particular geographies are very well shaped. They are very, they are ready to act very firmly and they do not expect too much of uh, accommodation in terms of, what typically very junior or, or, or younger professionals expect. Like So effectively, we are able to take their experience and, and their mindset, the way of cooperating, relatively easy and accommodate with, within our larger structure because we rely naturally very heavily on their experience and expertise. We do not know necessarily like being born uh, or having experience in doing business in, in Europe, continental Europe especially, doesn't necessarily give us a lot of experience in how you should be dealing with enterprise customers in Brazil. Also, these candidates, since they've been spending last 10, 15, 20 years doing that, they know exactly what needs to be done. And they are very confident about this. And by looking at their confidence, we are getting confidence that we have the right people on board and we are able to add these bricks to our general strategy quite easily. If we would be talking about a junior person from a very distant market, they quite naturally do not have this confidence or they shouldn't have this confidence because there is not enough experience. So they would be relying on our bias from their local perspective. And that could be quite risky for making this entire endeavor work. So I would say that for very senior candidates, it it is relatively easy. Probably soon we will be up for a challenge to 
to actually expand the teams and you can not only rely on very experienced people like that wouldn't uh, be wouldn't be necessarily effective so you would have to go after younger less experienced professionals and then there will be a very interesting challenge how can you find a balance between their local leadership within Neton and the way they want to organize their operations and teams, but at the same time maintaining the right degree of or, or, or the right degree of what Neton as a, as a global structure in terms of working culture and, uh, and, and the way of approaching certain problems is. These challenges are still in front of us and do not have any, any ready-made comments, but uh, it takes a lot of time, but, but at the same time, we are not much uh, more than the people we are able to attract and, and, and systematically convince to stay with us. The market is super competitive. Also within fraud prevention or, or fintech to speak more broadly, there are so many opportunities for great people that uh, a lot of our effort needs to be put on how to make our mission relevant. Even if it's relevant at, at, at the beginning of cooperation, how can you make this even more relevant as we go? And there are some some quite natural challenges with how to operate fairly among talent based from different geographies. And then we all know that cost of living is completely different in Tel Aviv or uh, the Bay Area in the US uh, from, from Central Europe. But at the same time, if we want to have experts from all of these uh, geographies, we need to be relevant for them from, from what we are able to offer. So, But at the same time, in certain cases, they are all doing similar work, and then is it fair to like what what kind of what kind of mechanisms of of making sure that it is fair, attractive enough, relevant, and and at the same time um, effective from the from the budgeting perspective? This is this is a, a very complicated world uh, we are living in, but at the same time, work from home or work remotely policies and model of cooperating is is serving or offering so many benefits that we didn't have before the COVID really struck. We, with, with perfect, like with full honesty, we haven't been ready for uh, such a dispersed operation before we were forced to do it. Actually, we've been, we've been um, benefiting from, from this uh, increased urgency of this topic. Like we're always, or since maybe three or four years, we have been talking, how can we, be relevant for for international talent but we were making baby steps if i may into this direction then march 2020 was it came and and then we were forced to go remote from one day to the next and then it was a good trigger because it made us work on certain initiatives and policies that that uh, that allowed us to actually uh, hire fully remotely for a few quarters now and uh, and the results are pretty fun. So in a way, the pan the pandemic has been a a double whammy for you. It's it's not only increased demand for your services; it's also helped you to expand internationally and hire and engage with global talent more effectively. But there are some phenomena that, again, are are um, not necessarily beneficial. So the fact that we are able or we are ready to go after international talent. It's also working uh, symmetrically against our advantage because more and more companies are also going after local Polish tech talent and they are obviously with, coming with different budgets, 
we've been seeing a lot of examples of US-based companies or Israeli companies that are more and more confidently going after individuals or even teams. And, and then obviously the, competi the competition intensifies. So it is, but it needs to be like this. It would be um, not balanced if we were only perceiving benefits from, from, from the situation. We need, to, we need to be challenged at the same time. So a lot of different dimensions we could probably analyze from when it comes to the impact of, of, of COVID. And you, you referred to growing demand. This is, let's say, on average, very true, but structurally, it's not that all our segments were, were doing great because some of the verticals we are after, especially travel that I mentioned, uh, we all know how, how big of the hit, negative hit COVID um, had on, on these industries and an ability to travel. And Did you have to pivot other sectors? Pivot probably is a big word, uh, but indeed our expectations, like when we were entering into 2020, and we were thinking what 2020 will be all about. Travel was really holding a very significant part of our growth aspirations. And then again, March, mid-March, somewhere around mid-March, we, we were all observing what is happening around the globe. And very quickly, we've seen that not only we were not able to, to go or go closely or even slightly pursue our growth ambitions, like actually we've lost uh, quite a bit of volumes just as our clients lost their operations. So we tried to be good partners. We didn't pivot out of this vertical, but we just understood that probably for the next few quarters, it will be a very difficult time. So there were um, the price restructurings and, and various kind of initiatives we were able to, to implement to support travel-oriented uh, travel uh, online players. But at the same time, obviously, we had to work and think okay, if that's going down, maybe, and as we've seen, some of the other sectors were going up. So we had to reshuffle our, our priorities and, and, and operational focus to, to keep growing because our investors are not necessarily okay with being stable. Okay, um, for, the, for a matter of few weeks or months, it's okay that you need to restructure, but at the end of the day, online is growing, so you need to be growing too. So the pressure was there and, and looking, looking at where we are today, Overall, impact is very positive, but stopping or putting a full stop after this sentence uh, would, would not reveal what was happening underneath. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, granularity below the surface. So we've been talking about the past and to some extent the present. Let's focus on the future. What's your vision for NetHone and indeed for the entire market looking to to combat online crime this is very uh, this is actually part of our discussions now we we like to have these strategic sessions with with the entire leadership and with our with our supervisory board to try to brainstorm and engage what do we see as the most likely scenario what what new opportunities are are opening what are the ones that probably we should we should deprioritize in our expectations. So what is very true, and speaking from a perspective of where, where, where the globe is uh, today, we are believing that uh, account-based online user session or online user experience will, will be growing in power. And what I mean by this is the fact that 
there is a stronger and stronger expectations expectation of, of end users to have quickest, most relevant, adequate uh, experience. And, and the only way shopping experience and the only way of doing this is, is really building or maintaining a profile of user preferences of certain sorts. So whether we know or, or explicitly subscribe to it or not, online platforms are building this kind of uh, more holistic profile of, of who the digital persona is and what kind of preferences are there so that the shopping experience can be optimized for that. If we believe that's true and uh, the competition for an online user will be going up, which translates into cost of user acquisition, obviously, on, on the platform end, this topic becomes more and more relevant. And then from the perspective of protecting a user experience flow that is um, based on account concept, so recurring user with certain preferences that are stored, that are maintained, that are updated, it changes completely um, the, the, the purpose or, or the angle from which you are able to guard this interaction because it's not necessarily anymore a unit transaction attempt fraud prevention where you're profiling what is happening here and now and how this payment method, how risky usage of this payment method is in the context of what we are seeing here and now, but it's much more, how can we guard an access to an account that has a preferred payment, uh, payment method details, logistical aspects such as delivery addresses and so on and so forth, where the user effectively has their password or login and password combination that is guarding all of these information. So, And so much more is actually shifted from the platform to the user and how they manage their credentials will be influencing how safe this particular account is. And obviously you need to do it frictionlessly. You need to do it in a way that the client is feeling safe about what is happening. You, you need to be thinking about the data privacy preferences and how much an, a user is, is willing to share with you, not to drive them away. So this is, there are technical, like we, we are strong believers and that's where we are heading. There are technical ways of doing it passively sitting in the background without intervening into areas that the, the users are not comfortable about but at the same time provide this continuous authentication with high degree of security. So this is our focus, and especially as we see a lot of change when it comes to preferences, especially younger cohorts of users when it comes to payment methods, buy now, pay later, wallet payments, various kind of um, direct transactions, peer-to-peer -peer transactions, merging these two, let's say, big trends, create a new, let's say, um, system of, trust that needs to be built around how to protect transactions and how to protect online interaction as a whole. So uh, lots of changes structurally, lots of ideas, how to position ourselves as a relevant party because we do not have ambition to exhaust end-to-end -end online interaction protection because it's simply impossible. And, and uh, finding an investing into the right partnerships with, with players that are already serving part of this problem and being a relevant component within this, let's say, security suite, this is very high on our list of priorities. Is that also part of your exit strategy? 
exit sounds very rushed or, or, or as a one-off event. So we are not practically pursuing uh, such a such a path because we believe that we are far from being done with the ideas uh, of what we can do to actually contribute to this solution space of, uh, of, of, of what needs to happen so that the online interaction is there. But definitely, definitely we are we are spending more time working on partnerships and whether it means that as a standalone, uh, we might be in the short term less strong from the from a monetization perspective, but positions us much better mid to long term as a relevant part of a, of a combination of solutions. This is uh, something that we strategically want to undertake because it is a long term it, it is the long-term game that we, that we are after. And with the, all the developments that we are perceiving now, I mentioned just the two of them, but you also have huge trend between fiat, fiduciary payments and, and crypto payments, what blockchain technology as a very general concept is trying to do in terms of how financial system is built and leveraged by, by consumers around the world. It is very early to, to be searching for an end game let's say scenario understood okay well it's been fascinating talking to you today learning all about the the murky world of online crime and the huge efforts companies like NetHona are taking to address that and make the world safer for all of us who are addicted to online shopping so let me wish you and the whole team at NetHone a superb 2022, and I'll be watching your progress with, uh, with interest over the coming months and years. Thank you very much, Gary. It was a pleasure to be part of this uh, discussion, hopefully relevant to the ones that listen, and uh, let's stay in touch. Thank you very much. This episode of the Startup to Scale Up Game Plan was brought to you by Alpina Search. Head over to www.alpinasearch.com for advice on scaling your technology startup and recruiting high-impact senior talent. 